So let's look at uh, the first um, direction. The consequences of not knowing your purpose. The consequences of not knowing your purpose. Uh, we're going to look at two uh, major scriptures throughout this uh, introduction. One is going to be found in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and it was written by Saul, um, I'm sorry, Solomon. It was written by Solomon, King Solomon, considered to be one of the wisest men that ever lived. And the second one we're going to look at is Philippians chapter 3. I want us to look at uh, King Solomon's cha uh, Ecclesiastes um, chapter 1. But before I do, I want to say this, that with Solomon, we see a man who missed it in life, who was gifted by God to do great things, and in fact did some great things, but in the end made a wrong turn, several wrong turns. And he didn't see God's best in his life. Now, King Solomon is going to write as a person who is considered to be one of the wisest men that ever lived. So you really want to hear his reflections on life, especially after he blew it. And then we're going to look at Paul. Paul, of, uh, Paul the, one of the most influential men in all of the world top five most influential men that ever lived. We're going to look at his um, perspective and we'll see the difference. So first, let's look at our, big, uh, our first big idea, which is the consequences of not knowing uh, our purpose. Firstly, without knowing your purpose, life will seem, write this down, in your sermon maps, if you open up your bulletin, you can, you can follow along with us. If you just uh, write this down. Without knowing your purpose, life will seem tiresome. Life will seem tiresome. Would you write that down? Without knowing your purpose in life, life will seem tiresome. King, Saul, uh, King Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 1, Verses 5 through 8, he says this, The sun still rises, and it still goes down. The wind blows round and around and back again. Every river flows into the sea. Then the water returns to where the rivers began and starts all over again. Everything leads to weariness. Now, think about this. Solomon had everything in life. All the things that we think will make us happy. Oh, you know what I need to be happy? I need to find the right person. Solomon had over 700 wives. You think if anybody could have found the right person, it'd have been Solomon, right? And some of you guys go, wow, that's not a bad idea. I wonder if I can make that happen. And I'm telling you, it's part of the reason why he's so miserable. It's because he had... He could, I find it difficult. It's Valentine's Day. I'm finding it difficult enough to satisfy one woman. Could you imagine trying to do... Okay. So, Ecclesiastes 1. Solomon, he had, he had all the women. 
What about money? Maybe he didn't have enough finances. Well, Solomon was considered one of the richest men of his day. He was, cons- he was wealthy beyond wealthy. He had everything that you could possibly ask for. It wasn't enough. Did he not have enough respect? Well, no, he was one of the most celebrated kings in the history of his entire nation. Wait, but what about, what about respect and prestige? Well, no, he's, he was respected and had a level of prestige that you and me can only dream about. President Obama doesn't have the respect and prestige that Solomon enjoyed. He had all of the romance, all of the money, all of the power, all of the respect, all of the prestige, and he says, it's like everything spins into meaninglessness. Life is just tiresome. Life is exhausting if you don't know your purpose. Secondly, we find out that without knowing your purpose, life will seem, write this next word down, unfulfilling. Write that down. It's in your bulletin. Open it up. Engage. Life will seem unfulfilling. Solomon says again here, no matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. Nothing is truly new. When you don't discover your purpose, you're going to find that no matter what you do, you're going to feel like a, a hamster on a treadmill. This is not going to set. Those things that you thought, if I just had them, if I think, and again, we go back to who's speaking. Whenever you're getting advice, always consider the source. Does this make sense? Consider the source of the advice that you're getting. So if you're getting marriage advice from a person who's been divorced eight times, you consider the source. If you get parenting advice from someone whose kids are all sorts of wayward, consider the source. If you consider the source. Solomon had everything. He had all the finances, all the romance, all the prestige, all the power in the world. And he says, it doesn't satisfy It doesn't fulfill. It doesn't meet the desperate need that I have. He says, it won't do it. And he's right. And he's more successful than any one of us will ever be. Because Solomon found out that when you live a life not knowing your purpose, not only will life seem tiresome, life will seem unfulfilling. Thirdly, if we live a life without purpose... Without knowing our purpose, life will seem uncontrollable. And Solomon says this, you can't straighten out what is crooked. You can't count things that aren't there. What is he trying to say? Solomon is saying, listen to me. Solomon is saying to us that life, when we don't live with purpose, we'll eventually find ourselves living for things that don't matter. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but when you, when you just start picking at things that don't matter, it gets out of control. You know, some of us have experienced this. Isn't it true? 
Isn't it true? What happens is we think, you know what? Another outfit. If we just had another pair of shoes, if we just had another dress or another outfit, then, and then what happens? What happens? Credit card bills rise. Debt increases. And we say, this is out of control. You know why? Because when you live your life without purpose, life seems out of control. You go, no, 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 what I need, what I need is I need to climb up the ladder. You know what? I've had a lot of years where I was unproductive. I really want my career to accelerate, and I really want to do well. And what happens? The spouse seems estranged. They're no longer with you. The children don't want to be seen with you anymore. You go, this is out of control. You know why? Because... When we live life without purpose, life feels uncontrollable. You can't turn a crooked stick straight. So these are the consequences of living life without purpose. Life will seem tiresome, life will seem unfulfilling, and life will seem uncontrollable. Now, who wants to go live a life without purpose? Raise your hand. Anybody? No, of course not, right? We all want purpose. We all want to do life in such a way where we experience the fullness that God has for us, where we acknowledge and see that our, what we're doing and how we're living goes beyond just the day-to-day. We want to live without success. So when we get to this point in life and we realize that life needs purpose in order for it to be fulfilling we have one or two options one of two options to consider the first we have to the first thing is to it's actually it's actually one option but in two parts the first option is we have to find a purpose we have to find a purpose now here's the thing you'll either invent your own purpose and man we see this all the time Oh my goodness. We'll see this. People invent their purpose with hobbies. Um, have, you ever seen, have you ever seen a guy with the coolest car that you've ever seen? Have you ever seen that guy who spends more money on his rims than he does on his rent? Right? Have you ever seen that guy? Right? He's living with his mother. Right? And, and he's got the coolest car. Oh my God! That sound system is amazing! Wow, does that car jump up and down by itself? That is so cool. And is it, where, where do you live? In the basement? In your mom's house? Oh, I guess you have to with a hobby like that. So we find it in hobbies. We invent our own purpose by, uh, some of us do it, uh, find our, our purpose in our children. Let me tell you something. Can, can I, let, all right, listen. Let me bless you for a second. Children are wonderful gifts. They're terrible gods. When we serve our children and lead our children under the authority of Christ, our children are blessed. When we make our children the ultimate thing in life, most important thing in life, we, we make them little hellions. Oh, not too much excitement over that. I understand. I'm telling you. I know. I know. Listen. Listen to me. You've met those kids. Haven't you met those kids? Right? And you go, oh my gosh, 
I do not want to be around them. I've been around them, and I tell you, it's hard for me not to want to punch them in the face. <laughs> and I'm a peace-loving person. It's hard. But here's, okay, so but here's the point. Here's the point, right? The point is, is that we have to ask ourselves, if purpose is important, we have to say, how do we find our purpose? And the, the question then becomes, we either invent our purpose, or, here's another idea, we find God's purpose. We find God's purpose. But here's the thing, can we trust God to help us find our purpose? And listen, for some of us, we don't know. God is, uh, God is like the wild card. We're not sure that we can trust God. For, well, listen, remember what I said earlier about considering the source? Well, here's what God does. God, in his infinite mercy and wisdom, said, I, you are separated from me, God says. God sees us, and he sees us as separated from him. And he says, we don't just need purpose, we need salvation. And so the one who had everything and was satisfied within himself said, I don't want to be separated from you forever. So this king of the universe made it his purpose to be born and die in Christ Jesus. To live the life that you should have lived, but you didn't. You know you have skeletons in your closet. Oh my goodness, you know how many, I'm the worst person in this room. You know how many awful things I've done? You know how many people I've hurt? You know how many lies I've said? You know how many things that I've done that I just feel terrible about? That's, that's true about me. Isn't that true about you too? Amen. We all have that. This is what I love about the Recovery House of Worship. Listen to me. If you're looking for perfect people in the Recovery House of Worship, what you're going to find is perfectly imperfect people. Amen. Perfectly imperfect people willing to admit their imperfections Amen. because they have a perfect Savior who has found who, they, who we have found in him to be our all-sufficient, all-satisfying one. Well, if he has your best interest in mind, and we know he does because anybody, listen to me, you can doubt the love of your husband because maybe he just wants, you know, maybe tonight he just wants a happy ending for the evening, Right? Or maybe you can doubt the love of your wife because maybe she just wants a, 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 you know, a new refrigerator or something. I don't know. I don't know. But you cannot doubt the love of God. You cannot doubt the love of God. You cannot doubt the love of the one who would die for your sins. You cannot doubt the love of the one who lived the life that you should have lived, but you did not, and died the death that you deserve to die, but don't have to. You cannot doubt that love. That love is yours. That love is given to you. So we have an option when it comes to our purpose. How do we find it? We can either make up our own, and good luck with that. I don't know what to tell you. Or we can find God's purpose. So let me tell you what the benefits of finding our purpose are. We know, what the, we know what the consequences of not knowing our purposes are. Let's find out 
what the benefits of knowing our purpose. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, we read this. It's in your bulletin. You can read along with me. I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers and sisters, I am still not all I should be, but I am focusing all my energies on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us up to heaven. Now, Paul, in this text, gives us four clues to our purpose. Four clues to our purpose. First, the first clue is that knowing the purpose of your life will give your life, write this down, focus. It will give your life focus. Would you write that down? You see what he says in verse 13? I am focusing all my energies on this one thing. Listen, Michael Jordan might have been a phenomenal hockey player. (laughs) Mike Tyson may have been an amazing, an amazing football player. But these men, the reason that we consider them great is because they focused on one thing. You could spend your life, listen to me, you could spend your life digging up 100 three-foot holes or you can spend your life digging one 300-foot hole. Only one will be a well. Only one will be able to get water. In our lives, we want to be focused, but finding our purpose does that. It gives us focus. Secondly, knowing the purpose of our life will simplify. Would you write that down? Simplify our lives. In the same verse, verse 13, Paul says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. It simplifies your your life. Does anybody here have a problem saying no to requests when people ask you? Does anybody? I have the the toughest time doing this. I have the toughest time telling people no. In fact, I have such a tough time telling people no, I actually am tempted to lie to them. (laughs) When they ask, anybody here ever lied to tell people? Yeah, then you have a tough time telling people no too, right? Sure, we all get tempted to do that. Sure, sure. You know why? Here's the deal. When we have our purpose and we're living out our purpose, that helps us to say one big yes to that which is most important and a million no's to that which is not important. Now, this is important because you do understand that just one yes says a billion no's. If you say yes to the work, by definition, by definition, if you say yes to overtime, you have to say no to junior, you have to say no to wife or husband, 
You have to say no to the gym. You have to say no to the hanging out with the friends. You have to say no to the meeting. You have to say no. You have to say a billion no's in order. So why not make your one yes count? Well, when you live your purpose, you simplify your life. And you're able to say yes to the right things. Isaiah uh, knew this. In uh, Isaiah 26.3, he says this, You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm. Isn't that good? He gives perfect peace. Life gets simplified. You're no longer trying to please 15 different people being frustrated because nobody's happy. Life is simplified. No, you're living for the purpose that Jesus gave you. And that's enough. And that yes can satisfy all the other no's. Thirdly, knowing the purpose of your life will increase motivation in your life. It will increase motivation. So knowing your purpose will give your life focus. It will simplify your life. And it will increase the motivation in your life. In verse 14, Paul says in this, in this passage, he says, I strain to reach the end of the race. I strain to reach the end of the race. Many of us live life without purpose. We just kind of get up, get going, do life. And every day is the same. We wake up. We do our morning ritual. We go to work or school. We uh, come home. You know, we take care of the kids or whatever we do. Get ready for the next day. And then go to sleep to do it all over again. See, see after a while, you start sinking into depression. What, what you find in a depression is, well, you find a lot of things. But one thing is an unmotivated person. <laughs> There's nothing that gets you up in the morning, nothing that excites you, nothing that gives you motivation. When you find your purpose, you find motivation. Now listen to me. There's a bunch of false purposes that will give you motivation, but it's a bad fuel. It'll only give you motivation for a little while until you finally wake up and see that it wasn't worth it. I remember a friend, he was moving, and he uh, got a a van from like a U-Haul or an Enterprise or something like that. And he went to the gas station and he filled it up. He filled a gas engine van with diesel fuel or filled a diesel engine uh, truck with uh, gas fuel. That's what he did. It's, you know how far that, it, it started. As soon as he started it, it went and he started to go and he started to move and... <laughs> It went for about a mile, and it just, it just stopped. It wouldn't go anywhere because it was a poor fuel. And some of our motivation, if our only motivation in life or if our chief motivation in life is for our own happiness, then it's a bad motivation. You know why? Because what made you happy at 7 doesn't make you happy at 17. And what makes you happy at 17 misses the mark at 27. This is, no, no I'm not going to do that. Um, the, okay, 
Do whatever you want, but I'm, I'll just do this, all right? Do whatever you want. But this is why I suggest to people, don't get a tattoo as soon as you think of it, okay? All right? Now, in this congregation, we got more, <laughs> we got more art here than MoMA, right? <laughs> like, there is, I mean, even the people you think that don't have tattoos, who here does not have a tattoo? Would you raise your hand? Okay, wow, that's amazing. So it's about half of us don't have tattoos, okay. The other half is making up for the half that raised their hand. Trust me when I tell you. We got some people in leadership with more tattoos. Okay, all right. So, all right. So, but here's the deal. Here's the deal, right? What, what was a really cool tattoo idea at 15 you know that moon crescent with the, with, the, uh, with the horse jumping over the moon? You know that one? Yeah. That's not so cool an idea at 27, right? And so, and so if you're going to, by the way, to finish the thought, if you're going to get a tattoo, give yourself, okay, I, I recommend don't get it, okay? I'm telling you, don't get it, right? But if you got to have it, and could you imagine if you could tattoo like, fashion styles on yourself. How many of you would be walking around with bell bottoms and really big collars? Don't immortalize a fashion thing or something that you like, okay. But if you gotta do it, give yourself a year. Say, I love this for one year. And all right, that's for free. Um, so part of knowing your purpose is don't get a tattoo, right? No, what my point was is the proper, the false motivation makes you do things that you regret. That's the point. And the right motivation helps you to do things that are significant and that last throughout life. Does this make sense? We want to have the right motivation. And when we know our purpose, we have the right motivation. Not only do we have the right motivation, knowing our purpose gives us focus uh, makes our life simple, gives us the right motivation, and finally, knowing the purpose of your life will, and this is big, guys, will prepare you for eternity. Would you write that down? Listen. This is not all there is. Some of us, some of us know this intimately. As you get older, the more you recognize that there's less life ahead of you than there is behind you, you start putting some stuff together and you start going, whoa, 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 whoa. Now listen, part of my job is to um, do funerals, be at bedsides of people who are dying. So I see this all the time. I, I'm confronted with death regularly. The prayer requests of this congregation, they're not superficial prayer requests. My kidneys have failed. I'm going through uh, this dialysis. Please pray for me. Uh, the doctor says we only have so much time to live. Um, the T-cell the, the count is it, it's going bad. It's, listen to me. I'm confronted by death all the time, but you know that you can go through a decade, maybe 20 years, without thinking that your life's going to end, without ever having that thought one time. Think about that. Because you are going to spend far more time on the other side of eternity than on this 
side of eternity. The story is told, it's an apocryphal story, but it's told, of a king long, long ago who was on his deathbed and he was so downcast, he said, please, send in the court jester, send in the fool. And that, that's what they called the, the court jester who would come in and make the king laugh and all. And so he calls him in and uh, he comes and he starts doing his thing, he makes him laugh and he goes, here, you are such a funny person. I don't think there's anybody who's a greater fool than you. Would you, and he gives him a wand and he says, I want you to go out through the kingdom and find a greater fool than you. I want to laugh and laugh. Find a greater fool than you. So he goes throughout the kingdom and he tries to find someone who's a greater fool than him so he could entertain the king. And he comes back and he says, King, I'm sorry. I went throughout the whole city and could find no greater fool than me. And the king goes in a raspy voice because he's close to death. And he says, don't worry. My time has come. I am going the way of eternity. And the fool goes, this is terrible. Where are you going? And he goes, I don't know. And the fool then says, here's your wand. You're going to go the way of eternity and you've never figured out where that is. You are a greater fool than me. Beloved, beloved, we have a minute on this earth and we have 10,000 years in eternity. Are you such a great fool that you would not live your life in light of eternity? The eternal one made himself temporary so that you, the temporary one, might see eternity with him. Knowing your purpose will allow you to prepare for eternity. So here's what I want you to do, okay? Here's my pitch. Here's my pitch. I'm telling you, there's nothing up my sleeve. I don't, get, I don't get paid any more if you come, and I don't get paid any less if you don't. Listen to me. I want you to come for the rest of this series because we're going to talk about our purpose, is there anybody here who wants to know their purpose? We're going to talk about the reason that God made you. We're going to talk to you about the five purposes, the reason that God made you. But it's going to be for the next five weeks. Now, here's what we know. Here's what we know. Different people learn different ways. Different people learn different ways. Now, some of us learn by hearing. Those of you who learn, learn by hearing, you're like, you're in you're, you congregate here on Sundays and you can't wait because you hear and it's like, yes, I get it. Thank you, Edwin, um, for sharing God's word. I get it. I hear it. I learned it. Thanks. Some of us don't learn that way. Others of us learn by reading. We learn by reading. We read and we get it and it sort of makes sense to us when we read it. Others of us don't learn by hearing. Others of us don't learn by reading. Others of us learn by talking. 
Um, it, it, you, you see this with some athletes. They sort of, they, they're thinking as they're talking. It's called like a stream of consciousness where they're just, you know, what, whatever they're saying, some comedians are like this, where they just talk and it just comes out. I'm like this. I think as I talk. Well, what we've done in this, um, uh, in this, not series, in this um, campaign, what we've done is we've said, we want to help you to learn in every possible way. We want this message of God's purpose. Our King Jesus, we want it to get it into your heart so deep that here's what we've done. We're going to give you sermons. So those of you who learn by listening, you'll get it. And those of you who learn by reading, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get the book called The Purpose Driven Life. The purpose-driven life. It's also called, what on earth am I here for? What on earth am I here for? I want you to get that book. Now, if you absolutely cannot afford the book, we've thought of you. Again, this is not what I want from you. This is what I want for you. So some very generous people in our congregation said, you know what, I can afford my book. And they bought like three, four, some people bought ten copies. Isn't that amazing? so that you could have a book. So if you can't afford it, don't worry about it. You come check, it, check with me. I'm going to be in the other room, and you can uh, come, and we'll, we'll give you the book. All right? So if you can't afford it, so there's no excuses. And it's like three or four pages a day. You read like a chapter. The chapter is three or four pages. You go, I'm not that good of a reader. Three or four pages. You go, but I, I can't read it all. It's on audio. So listen, we want you to get, so you can listen to the sermon here, you can read it, and then we also, we also want you to get into a small group. Now, what's, what's the small group? The small group is 11 groups that are going to, that are going to open starting this week. There are two groups starting, that I'm leading. That's not even including the other 11. So that's 13 groups. That's amazing. So you go, oh man, I want to go at like, I, I can't go in the evening. I can't go in the afternoon. I work, you know, all that other stuff. Great. There's a group at seven in the morning on Tuesdays. You go, oh man, I couldn't do that early in the morning. I don't even, you know, I don't even love my kids at seven in the morning, right? And it's like, I can't do that. But what I could do, well, we got another group at seven at night on Thursdays. We got, we got groups all throughout the week. We got them here. We got them in other people's homes. We got them in, I mean, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. So you can choose to get into a small group. Watch this. When you get into a small group, what that does, it's it's stimulated learning. Stimulated learning. Because then you're going to be going back and forth with people, and they're going to go, oh, I learned this. And somebody else is going to go, oh, I learned this. And then you're going to go, oh, right, and I learned this. And you're going to be a blessing and be blessed. So won't you, listen to me. Listen to me. Let's say you have 50 years ahead of you. Let's say you have 10 years ahead of you. Let's say you have one year ahead of you. None of us know how much time we have. But if you only have one year ahead of you, wouldn't you want it to be your best year? Wouldn't you want it to be 
the very best that it could be? Listen to me. It can be. Invest six weeks into your joy. Invest six weeks into your life to find out what God's purpose is for you. Listen, don't be like that king. Don't be a fool. Come to Jesus and learn what your purpose is. That's my prayer for you. At the end of this service, through those doors, you're going to have an opportunity to sign up for small groups. Would you just do it? Just take a chance. Like, listen to me. This process won't hurt. It'll lead you and direct you, and it'll be for your good. So if you have your book, your Purpose Driven Life book, I want you to start reading today, and uh, we're all going to read together. I want you to post it on Facebook, Twitter, uh, put a picture of it on Instagram. Like, I want you to, um, and today is our day one, right? So get the book, read the introduction, start with your day one. I'm telling you, you're going to be glad that you did. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that in your word it says that you have set eternity on the hearts of people. We thank you that you have given us this pause, this break, this moment in our lives where we can focus on you and find out what your purpose is for us. Lord, there are those here who don't know you. Would you draw them to yourself? Would you convict them of their own sin? Would you break their heart over their own sin and have them turn to you? Would you help them to know that you will love them well even if they are as bad a sinner as I am? Lord, would you remind those of us who know you that there's yet more that you have for us. So Lord, I ask that you would help us as a congregation. And not just as a congregation, but Lord, you would help us invite our friends and our family, our co-workers and our acquaintances to these groups that we're going to and ask them to come along with us throughout this journey. Lord, even if they don't come to church or want nothing to do with coming to the church, but that they would at least get the benefit of the small group to find out what their purpose in life is to be. We thank you, O oh God, for revealing your purpose in your word. And we ask that we would, through this process, would be transformed into the likeness of Christ. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.